Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're so glad you could join us today. And we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we welcome you all. And we'll start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 10 of uh, Christian Healing. It's a sermon given by Mary Baker Eddy and a very small excerpt on page 195 of Divinity Course in General Collectania. He said, God is all and in all. That finishes the question of a good and a bad side to existence. Truth is the real, error is the unreal. You will gather the importance of the same when sorrow seems to come. If you will look on the bright side, for sorrow endureth but for the night, and joy cometh with the light. Then will you will your sorrow be a dream, and your waking the reality, even the triumph of soul over sense. If you wish to be happy, argue with yourself on the side of happiness. Mm-hmm. Take the side you wish to carry, and be careful not to talk on both sides or to argue stronger for sorrow than for joy. You are the attorney for the case and will win or lose according to your plea. Probation progress goes on until there is no life, substance or intelligence in matter. Mary Baker Eddy. It's wonderful, thank you very much. I love that from Christian Healing. Thank you. All right, watching point. Watch number 416. Watch lest in your zeal to go forward and to do God's work, you use human will without subordinating it to truth. The way to build through spiritual power and to build up confidence in spiritual power is first to know that of yourself you can do nothing. Then you must realize that because the power of God is with you, you can do all things, that nothing can stay its hand, that it is always successful, and that there is no conceivable collection of falsity that can stand before it. If you do not start with this realization, you are apt to use human will alone. If, when the need comes to exercise spiritual power, you start right in without this proper preliminary of realizing that of yourself you can do nothing, without this deflation of self, and that what you are carrying to the problem is wholly the power of God, the power that holds the universe as you would hold a rubber ball. You are not subordinating the power of the human will to truth. You must not start to build until you get the right thing to build. First, realize the power that you represent, the infinite law of which you are the custodian, and then take that to the problem. End quote. Thank you. Comments on that? Reminded me of what Mrs. Eddie says about to labor and to wait. (laughs) <laughs> I think of that a lot because, you know, 
there have been times that I've tried to sort of bull right through a situation and I've ended up having to undo that. So I'm grateful now just to, to know to wait and not to make a step without it. Thank you. I I do love this um, watch very much because really until you know that it's not your power, but the power you reflect, um, what are you going to do arrow with? Right. It's very, very important. Absolutely. You bow before the throne in humility. That's why humility is so key. You, you can't think you can do it, any of it on your own. It's all God. And that's why your motive has to be so pure, because you know God's not going to do anything that's done. Right. It's not according to his plan and his will. We're, we're just bowing before the throne and, and, and letting him work and acknowledging that we need him to help us. But it's always all about him, never about ourselves, but about him, God. Somewhere I was looking for it, and I'm sure some of the researchers will find it, but um, Mrs. Eddy talks about titanic power, that it's mm-hmm. so titanic. I, I thought it was in prose works, but I couldn't find it there, so um, must be in the blue book. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, she she just, and Carpenter over and over again in his writings, he talks about this incredible power of God, the almighty of God. And just to know that, and when your prayers are pure and right, that power just comes rushing through. Um, uh, Before watches, this is, of course, highly important to know this. And I, I love from Science and Health, where Mrs. Eddy says, whatever holds human thought in line with unselfed love receives directly the divine power. That's an amazing statement. And when you're when you're praying, when you're doing a watch, it is unself love, right? So whatever holds human thought in line with unself love receives directly the divine power. Every time you do a watch, you need to know this. Anytime you pray really about anything. Even if, even if that time your thought is human, it's, um, if it's unselfish, if you're working to help someone else, then that divine power just kicks in. But all of this is important that it precedes the work. Otherwise, it's very easy to do what this watching point says. Just jump in, like Jeremy was talking about, jump in without waiting, without pausing and uh, letting human will take over. And sometimes it can come because you feel like pressured because you want to make, you know, your practitioner or whomever, the church board, whatever, at least in my case, I had to overcome that. I, thinking about when I started working on the store for the website, I did not get the message of what to do, but I felt, you know, I allowed myself to feel that pressure and I didn't handle it. So. I just started working and I worked for a few months on something and then I got the message of what it was and I realized everything I did was wrong. Hmm. So I deleted it because, <laughs> which I don't usually delete things, but I deleted that just to, just to really 
it's up to us to prove that error has no history. So mm -hmm. I was glad to do it. Thank you. Could you add a little clarity to something? If you're if you're praying for yourself in a situation you're in, but we just heard the unself love receives directly the divine power. How do we deal with that when you know of self you maybe have a, an issue you're dealing with? Well, what what is your what is your motive? What is your motive? Is your motive to get better so you can you know just as I like to say go back to the golf course or is your motive whatever it is that you're praying about is your motive so you can glorify God so that you um, will submit to His will? I mean, even when you're praying for health, what what is your motive? Is it just to get better and go back on your on your merry old way i mean health is ever present it is at hand it's not in matter anyway so it's it's acknowledging god's presence and power and then knowing i mean if you've got god's work to do you need your health right you need your whatever else you need you need it if you're doing it for him so that is that is coming in an unselfish way if you're coming just because you want to get well so you have a better day or <laughs> or some just self of selfish motive. So that is the unselfed prayer. It's it's whatever you're doing, it's for God. Lawrence, did you want to add to that? No, I I think I read something this week. I'm trying to find whether it was in the newsletter, um, a Kraken's article or not, that our prayers are unselfish. It better be unselfish. That's why at times we pray amiss, because if we only praying to be better so that we can do what we want, well, that's, that's not it. It has to be unselfish. Thank you very much. And that is certainly how my prayers once were. There's a whole page yeah. in Watches, Prayers, and Arguments. Um, I didn't bring that book with me, but maybe I'll find it and we can post it. Does that answer your question, Tony? I, I just wanted to say, we have that thing to the watchers underneath yes. every one of our watches. You're not to come in your own name to pray. And I, I just that whole thing really speaks well to this. I, I have this out to read yeah. that. Thank you. Hear, O Israel, for the Lord our God is one God. You are not to come in your own name to pray. You are not to control any mind. You are to come only in the divine strength and know that God will rule and does and that hypnotism and evil minds cannot and do not control men or governments. All power is God good. <clears throat> and then Mrs. Eddy says, this is my only formula to Christian scientists for prayer, and God will give you faith that will remove mountains. It's a mighty prayer. It's everywhere. We put it everywhere. It comes with every watch message you will receive. It is on the watching point. It is highly important to keep this in mind. It, it, it cleanses your, your own personal wishes. Um, I don't know if anybody else is here, but um, I, I, don't, I don't understand what she means by not coming in your own name. You come in the name of Christ. Mm -hmm. You don't come in your own. This is Mary, and I, I'm telling you what I want. Um, yeah. <laughs> it should be all about God, right? Everything should be about God. Whether we're well, when we're well, we glorify God. We bless God with our work that we do. Everything about God. If we do it that way, well, yes, 
submitting to his guiding. Thank you. And, and Mrs. Eddy says somewhere in miscellaneous writings, I read it recently, we, we, we cannot, you cannot rise without going down in your own estimation. estimation. In other words, when we pray, we have to realize, we have to start by realizing that of ourselves, we can do nothing. As the image and likeness and reflection of the one God, all things are possible. But as of as as of ourselves, we can do nothing. And I think that's what it means. Thank and, you. And all real things are possible. <laughs> <laughs> right. All good is possible. All good. All good. And it always remember we're never in any circumstance trying to change anything we're just trying to see what's already there the truth about what's already there and that does seem to change the physical evidence but um christ's power is here it's it it's already done it, and it, it is complete so we're aligning ourselves with that power and that ability to see as he sees and that's why I think, you know, even in the old the old graces at lunch and dinners and things, they, they end it with for, for Christ's sake, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Or in the name of Christ. Mm -hmm. To get your get a sense of self out of the picture. Any more questions? Thank you. That's good to ask questions. Yeah, that was very helpful. I, I guess if you're going to claim that you're a child of God, that you're the image of God, and then you don't strive to have God at the center of everything, then you're it's blasphemy or you're a hypocrite. Like you say, right. you, you're just praying to make yourself better, but for what purpose? You can't, you can't claim one and then not do his work elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So that's why I guess that's why the prayers you know you don't don't speak on both sides of your mouth. Um God's will be done. Yeah. I mean so often you know I'll, I'll get I know Florence says too it's a to-do list all these things you want God to do for you. Something really wrong about that. <laughs> I mean, that's what I used to do too. But uh, it, it, it isn't about what you want God to do for you. God does all things. He's already done all things. Your prayer should be to to seek Him with your whole heart, mind, and soul. To want to know Him. Whatever lessons you need to learn, be humble enough and willing enough to learn them. Because that's the only reason you have troubles come into your life is because there are lessons to learn. And the only thing that really changes as a result of this is our own vision of what is true and real going on around us or within us. Yes. And when that vision changes, everything else changes. It's amazing how Could it I changes. Say something? Yes, yes. Go ahead, Zary. 
Yeah, uh, you know, listening to this, I'm thinking about yesterday, I was invited to a place where people, uh, a man had a, a studio space, and it seemed humanly right, and they saying, Father, Mother, not my will, but thine be done. And, you know, when we go into that secret space, which you never see, realize even if it's humanly right, it's not the right place. And so I just am grateful to have the round table study work that we do here. So thank you. Well, thank you, Zeri. Yeah, some things can seem they can go down your checklist, yes, 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 but you might uh -huh. feel no, 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 no. <laughs> Something in you is saying, no, it's not the right thing, the right place, the right person, the right whatever job. Because when we ask God, then it's not like asking human beings because the human checklist was wonderful. Um, I had a, a childhood with a lot of Jewish background and it just felt at home humanly. But when I asked God if this was right, it wasn't the right place to go. And I said, thank you, but you're not the right people for me. And they looked at me as if I was completely off, but that's okay. Because it was just, it's just not the right place for me. But I'm grateful it's the right place for them, you know? So I let it go and let God. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, people don't always understand why you choose a different path or whatever, but that's okay. You just know within yourself it's not right for you. And that's yeah. God speaking to you. Right. Yes. Thank you. All right, our subject is probation after death. <clears throat> and I'm going to be referring to some articles that dear Carrie sends me each week. And then also there's an article called life that our friend is a friend in England. Graham brought it to my attention and it's now on the website. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And it says this sermon, the manuscript of which is in possession of the CSBOD was prepared by Mrs. Ed Eddie, evidently for oral delivery over 35 years ago. And it's, it's very good. So, okay. In this article, Carrie sent me called Tokens of Divine Love. It talks about the various lessons that Mrs. Eddie chose, which is interesting. And I know some people, and I used to do this, would squirm over some of these topics like probation after death, everlasting punishment ancient and modern. <laughs> I mean, why in the world? But it's because these false theological beliefs are so deeply rooted in everyone. And I don't care if you're a third or fourth generation Christian scientist. Everybody has this. And if you don't think you do, then then maybe you need more humility because I know I, I didn't think I had any of these things. And I'm not a first and third and fourth generation scientist, but I just didn't think I did, but later I found out I had it big time, my false conceptions about a lot of things. And where did I get it? It was from this old theology. That's why she has these lessons. It's a cleansing. And she writes, Doctrine of Atonement, Probation After Death. The first one reveals unmistakably what is required of us in order to come into at one with God. And the second unfolds the fact 
that after the transitional experience called death, there still remains the necessity of continuing the work of attaining at one minute with God till we come, and this is a quote, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then this article also says, when our revered leader ordained the Bible and science and health as a pastor of Christian Science Church, she in due time also provided a series of lesson sermons calculated to give to the world through the light of revelation and reason, a more perfect knowledge of the way of salvation. We are told in the Sentinel of March 2nd, 1899, that the subjects chosen follow the orders our leader was accustomed to employ, employ in teaching her classes and our textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, gives the fundamental mentals of these sermons in the chapter entitled Recapitulation. And then thus do the lesson sermons become God's love tokens. As we read in the Sentinel, again of 1899, they bring rest to the heavy laden, life to the dying, and light and joy to all. So I thought that was beautiful, and it's just something, you know, we need to accept these lessons without question or grumbling, as I once did, I think. Or I had my favorites and those I didn't like. And feel the light and the joy in them. Yes, and the healing. <laughs> and let it cleanse you of these old beliefs that maybe you don't even know you're hanging on to. Well, even Martha in the lesson was sort of arguing for those old theology beliefs. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, so she was. was. She sure was. So, um... Do you want to read the golden text first, Lil? To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Thank you. And in the article that um, it's been on the carousel by Big Dal Young, Standing with God, He's, he believes, he writes, that having ascend is better than overcome. There is no contention, only dominion. Think less that we are undergoing conflict and have more triumph. And then this was a very important thing Carrie wrote on the forum. In reading that article, she says, or Big Dal Young says, quote, you don't have to overcome fear. It can't do anything to you. It doesn't make any difference if you are afraid. Make the declarations that constitute operative truth. Then the responsibility is not yours. Have more confidence. This will come when you become less afraid of fear, end quote. Um, I remember, you know, I used to be, as a Christian scientist, this is more old, old theology beliefs, I was terrified of being afraid. <laughs> because I thought, well, if I was afraid, you know, all these things would happen. What does Job say? Thing I feared is coming. Thing that I feared. Yeah. That terrified me, and then then the more terrified I was, the more fear I 
<laughs> and I'd go around and around with this. And then I read, I don't think it was this, but it was something from Big Dell Young where he said, just go ahead, be afraid, go ahead, fear all you want. Because there, is there any power in fear? Hmm. No, because it's not of God. Even Franklin Roosevelt's? Was it Franklin Roosevelt who said? The only thing you have to fear. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then if you know you don't even have to fear fear, then that then you've got then you that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just the, it's the, 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 the you know. said we're supposed to feel the danger, so as long as it gets you working, that's a good thing. Well, that's right. I mean there's in some instances fear can be helpful to fear the danger, you know. You fear if your little kid is running out in the middle of traffic, that's good. There are things that it's it's good to have a healthy maybe respect for, but to be terrified of being afraid is not good. And this is sort of the healing balm for it to know it has no power in itself. But what will happen is if you're so afraid of everything, you'll start, you'll get into this illusionary dream world where you seem to be having these things that you're afraid of keep popping up. They'll keep popping up until what? You stand, you don't run. Stop running. Stop running. Stop expecting it. Stop expecting it. Expectation from God. Knowing that um, by doing this fearing, you are disobeying the first commandment. You're giving power to something other mm -hmm. than a good God. Mm -hmm. Even if that is fear. Somebody counted how many times it says in the Bible, do not fear. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wasn't it once for every day of the year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 365 ways it said, don't be afraid. And yet we go on being afraid. So let's get a grip on this, okay? The only thing that got me It betrays us, doesn't it? It just shows that we're believing in the evil. Like, uh, right. just, yeah, you believe in the evil and you are worshiping the evil because you believe it's real and that therefore you believe there is a power other than God. When our teacher told us uh, in the start realizing that God is your mind and, and immediately and I realized that the fear was not my thinking, they gave me it would gave me a, a position I could stop work from to eventually stop accepting it. And then finding what God wanted me to do instead. And it was so free. Thank you. That is wonderful. Yeah, because what is what what does the Bible tell us that casts out fear? Perfect love. Yeah, perfect perfect love is what casts out fear. And what is perfect love? I mean, let's get down to it here. <laughs> That's for God. Divine love. God's love. The love that knows no ill. Yeah. It's love for the truth. Yeah. It's love for life. It's love for whatever is principled. It's love for soul. It's love for spirit and not matter. And it says in the lesson here what it is to be over, what, what should be overcome. What should be, what should be overcome? 
All right. Citation one, science and health. The belief that life and sensation are in the body should be overcome by the understanding of what constitutes man as the image of God. Unless we see one another and ourselves with the understanding of what constitutes man as the image of God, we don't love. We don't love ourselves. We don't love God. We don't love our fellow man. That is perfect love. And that is what casts out fear. Thank you. Yeah, I feel that goes back to what you said too about That's you it. know knowing that that it's, those thoughts don't come from mind. The fear doesn't come from mind. So it's also not our identity. That's a really wonderful thing. Exactly. No, that's exactly what Craig said. He said when he loved the divine mind more than anything else and knew that that's what he, he was the reflection of, that's what cast out fear. Knowing it is not your thinking, you know, it, it's not from God that loves you. It's an erroneous thought you're entertaining. So you've invited, as I like to say, you've invited the devil, if you will, although we know there's no such thing, but you're, you're making a reality of it. You're inviting it into your home and sitting down and having a nice chat with it, <laughs> rather than casting it out. And you will suffer for that. And that shouldn't be surprising, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So you got to stop it. And no one's doing it to you. You seem to be doing it to yourself. And once I figured all this out, it was it was like Craig said, it's such a relief. I didn't have to be in bondage to fear. And it and in the lesson, it talks about being in bondage to um, deliver them through fear of death. Yes. We're, in, we're all in their lifetime subject to bondage. So this is this is the big bugaboo. They say this is the big fear, the fear of death. And this is a lot of what we're going to talk about today on the less than probation after death. And I love where Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health this week. Well, the first I've given testimonies on this. The eternal truth destroys what mortals seem to have learned from error. And man's real existence as a child of God comes to light. We've all seemed to have had stuff we've learned from error, all theology, all kinds of things. Maybe something your mother told you or your dad or your friends at school. You keep declaring the truth to that and it will destroy the error. And your real existence as a child of God will come to light. It's a simple, beautiful formula in one sentence. You have a child or someone you know you think has learned all this awful stuff. Well, the eternal truth will destroy it because it wasn't true anyway. And that real existence as a child of God will come to light. Now, I've proven this in my life. And I love this statement. It, it will work if you work it. I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of regrets from the past, a lot of stuff that's bothered me. I, I've, I have stayed with this statement, and it has destroyed it. In other words, there's not even the smell of smoke about it. 
You don't have to live with past history that was not good. You can destroy it by knowing what is true. And then it goes on in that truth demonstrated is eternal life. And mortal man can never rise from the temporal debris of error, belief in sin, sickness, and death. Now, this is the big point here. Until he learns, God is the only life. We are taught that life is in matter. It is everywhere. And so we fear our bodies. Someone was telling me, I mean, I hear it a lot. All the people going to doctors, every week they go to doctors to check this, that, and the next thing. They think their life is in body. And then they fear their body. And what do they fear? Then they're in bondage, the belief of death. Mrs. Eddy explodes all these false theories. And that quote I've given before about you're not on any path of death. You're on the eternal road of life in which there's no even, not even a, a trace of death. Every morning you know this, you're on the eternal road of life. No death. There is no death. But it's also why we start our morning with God is life. God is my life. God is the only pure and perfect life. You look to him. And Jacob has written this a few times. It's very interesting. A quote from Martha Wilcox. Heart trouble does not require matter through which to express itself. It requires belief only. So what does that mean? (laughs) The body merely exemplifies what mortal mind believes. And if your heart... Your heart can't talk to you. It can't tell you anything. Well, if the nerves in your heart hurt, there's a false belief floating around that needs to be destroyed. And, and the belief that you could ever have heart trouble is destroyed by the, by the truth that your heart beats for God. Your heart beats for eternal life, truth, and love. That is the purpose of heart. The divine purpose. That is what God created. And it's not material, it's spiritual. And that, you, and that will keep you around for a long time. Mr. Evans said one time that you're not alive because your heart is beating. Your heart is beating because you're alive. <laughs> it all goes back to God, yes. And, you know, that's true of everything, this vision thing. That we see because God sees, not because we have eyeballs. <laughs> you just keep translating it, keep taking it back to God. And that's why it's so important that you know that God is your life. Otherwise, you're getting it all the time, here, there, and everywhere, that matter is your life, your body is your life. If anything goes wrong with one of your organs, whoopsie-doozy. So, And this is where you have to be careful. You don't pass the line in exercising and other things. I mean, 
Mignell Young says it's important you do get out, you get proper exercise, you can't just be sitting in a chair all day. But if you start thinking about it and doing it because, you know, your body needs this and that, you've crossed the line. And you're going to be subject to all the beliefs of, of all the mortal beliefs. And you won't like Go ahead. No, it's a, it's a material self you're worshiping, really, you're believing in. And I love, what has helped me is the fact that we are an embodiment of right ideas. So I'm looking at everything, okay, embodiment of right ideas only. So that's what makes me feel as a child of God, really. Um, otherwise, it's a separation. You know, God is spirit, so how, why am I so uh, material? Why am I? And it takes time. It took me a long time to, to finally get it. So, thank you very much. And about the exercise or anything else, it goes back to the watch. Is it is it your will making you do it? Or right. Is God saying, "Hey, go take a walk"? <laughs> so. Yeah, that's it. What is your purpose and motive of doing it? But you know, when everyone else is doing it, now they have these things you wear on your wrists that <laughs> tell you everything. <laughs> How much you sleep, I don't know. They tell you everything that the body is doing. And I guess a lot of people wear them and think about it. And, and um, uh, you know, again, your life isn't in God if you're going to be doing all that. I'm sorry, it just isn't. I feel rested, but my watch says I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at, how, look at how many times my heart is beating. I mean, who wants to know all this stuff anyway? Talk about Let's be absent from the body and present with the Lord. You're going to be a whole lot happier. A whole lot happier. There's a card that monitors the heart. I saw <laughs> the guy has two fingers on this card, and it's, it's actually showing the, the pattern. And it's the heart talking to the man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so... And, and you see, this, material. Mm -hmm. thank you. And it's a huge rise of materia medica. And they think they know it all. And they're going to they're going to just check you right. out and every little thing about you. And and oh, no, thank you. God is my life. That's all you need to know. As long as you've got his work to do, he'll keep you here. And the probation is just constant and always. Right. Yeah. But I mean, isn't this all just symptomatic of the fear that yes. is so prevalent the fear that starts with well you know my life is my body or my body is my life or or some confused arrangement like that <laughs> which results in the the fear that you know somehow something could go wrong with my body and and threaten my life so we have all these gadgets that measure what the body does, thinking that the that that measures how healthy you are, when in fact it doesn't measure anything that is real or useful in determining whether you are healthy or not, because health is a is it's in mind. It, yeah, health is is a characteristic of mind, not matter. And when, you know, when soul supposedly leaves the body, the body doesn't have any life of its own. So the whole thing is, it's, it's still backwards. 
And it goes back to your motive. Why am I here? Does God give me the strength to do what he wants me to do? Yes. Did God, does God give me the health that I need to do what he wants me to do? Absolutely. Because God knows nothing else. God doesn't know evil. God can't know evil. Therefore, in reality, it can't affect us and our life. And that is what the probation is all about. It's a test. Are we learning this truth or are we not? And we have daily opportunities to prove it. And it's ongoing. It's I read earlier, you know, it's just an ongoing thing till you come at the complete at one minute. It, it is what Florence, the last sentence of what Florence read this morning. Do you still have that, Florence? Yes. It's probation progress goes on until there is no life substance or intelligence in matter. Thank you. Yeah. That's wonderful. This is Eddie. Yeah. So. So every six months when this lesson comes around, we should feel clearer and better about it. Thank you very much. We better be. <laughs> we better be is right. We should be living at those six months in between, getting a, a grip on all of this. Passing the test. Passing the Yeah. I've been thinking a lot lately about how Jesus said, take no thought. And I've been thinking how the world is constantly trying to give us thoughts. And just don't take them. Don't, don't take them. That's it. So. I think it was in first edition. It was read yesterday for recording on page 218. I think it was something about don't give air all your thoughts. I just thought Thank it was you. interesting. <laughs> Stop giving air all your thoughts or something. I'll have to look it up. I'll put it in the page, mm -hmm. web page. Well, we were taught here, you know, when you get a thought, is this a thought from God that loves me? If it's not, then you shouldn't be listening to it. Unless it's a directive from God telling you to wake up. <laughs> which can happen. And this was in a, a watch message we had this week where, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And that's very important to be knowing that. And that beautiful definition of grace um, the spirit or influence of God operating in man to strengthen and regenerate. Regenerate means to implant holy affections in the heart, virtue of divine origin. So you're worried about somebody who um, isn't doing what you think maybe they should be doing. Well, this is what you know, that this is this the amazing grace of God is operating everywhere. And even where sin seems to be abounding, that grace is operating. And, and it is God, spirit, that's strengthening and regenerating, that is implanting holy, holy affections in the heart. Everyone has it anyway. Why would God create a person that didn't love him? All people, all people everywhere love God, whether they know it or not, they do. It's there. So that's the amazing grace of God. And then this, this is something beautiful that Carrie sent me an article. It's called Habits and They're Cured by Effie Mason, but it's referring to Lazarus. It said, the voice of truth is calling you today as it did Lazarus. 
more than 1,800 years ago, to come forth. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Come out of your grave. Roll away the stone from your narrow sepulcher. Strip off the arrow that bound you hand and foot and put on the seamless garment of truth. You have worn long enough the material fig leaf covering and you are no better satisfied with it now than were Adam and Eve of old. For the same answer will come back today to the question, where art thou? As then, I was afraid and I hid myself. Rather say with Paul, neither height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Let us then put on the seamless garment and look over to the light and not let the world and its influence eclipse the light of truth. Let us choose the straight and narrow way that leads to everlasting life where we shall join in the songs of the blessed. And then when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And what is that from? Lovely hymn. Yes, Amazing Grace. I could burst forth singing to you, but I won't. <laughs> good thing burst forth. Yeah, I know. I, I, would, I would have a good thing if you were here. <laughs> and we're going to sing something beautiful today. Not this one, but but it, it in it is the infinite heart of love. And talking about heart, I always like to think of that's the only heart there is, is the infinite heart of love. So and so remember, this is what your life is about. And it's a glorious life because you're doing everything for God. Be at one with him, his his expression. No separation. You're not appealing to something outside of yourself, as Big Da Young says in his article. You're good because God is good. You have life because God has life. You see because God sees. You're at one with the Father. Now, Nancy, she's on, right? Yes. She will tell us about the benefits God daily loadeth us with benefits. Good morning. Uh, yes, in reading the lesson, uh, I loved in Psalm 68, blessed be the Lord who, loadeth, who daily loadeth us with benefits. And I looked up benefits, and it's an act of kindness, a favor conferred, advantage, profit, a word of extensive use, expressing whatever contributes to promote prosperity and personal happiness. And um, I loved thinking about that. And also the word grace came up in the lesson. And when I looked uh, for that definition in Webster's, the one citation that I found uh, that I thought tied so beautifully with this psalm was grace, the free unmerited love and favor of God the spring and source of all the benefits men receive from him. I thought how beautiful that that through God's love and favor, every day we are filled, we're loaded with prosperity and happiness and health and life and truth and love. And we should be blessing our Lord for 
truly our loving Father, Mother God, every day blesses us with these benefits. Thank you. Thank you. That's so beautiful. Um, and just remember that every daily he's loading us with benefits, kindnesses. Are we aware of them? Do we thank him for it? Are we happy and joyful because of it, as, as Florence read in the beginning? Are we waking up all grumpy and all curmudgeon? <laughs> so let's, let's be grateful for this wonderful God, and let's be aware of these daily benefits and not just go through life not even aware. This requires what they call now living in the present, not worrying about the past, not thinking about the future, right now, right here, what's God doing? And isn't it wonderful? Florence? Exactly. Would you like to say anything about what you wrote on the forum? No, I don't have it because my... I can't get to it. But I, I think essentially what I was saying is, you know, the, the heaven that I used to know as being somewhere else, it's right here. We, it, there's a requirement for our <clears throat> change of view of how we see ourselves, how we see our world, this beautiful world that God has created. And it, it came uh, over the years by just spiritualizing thought, knowing God is my mind and Pretty soon, you know, you, you see things differently. You don't see them with the mortal sense as, oh, uh, a house is a house. But you're thinking of the safety, the warmth, the, the beauty that it gives you. You know, you're seeing things differently. And so, as we remember, Paul was right here when he saw the heavens. Yeah. So, it means that we can be here and also know that yeah god is here we are spiritual and all that he has created is spiritual and we strive to know or to be more aware of the spiritual sense behind all the things that we see thank you, you did a wonderful job <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and really and and gra that's why you go back to gratitude for what god is and for what God does for us is is the way to start having that correct vision. Thank you. All right, and we are going to end now since the bell buzzed or rang um, on, on the excerpt from this article, Life by Mrs. Eddy. Okay. This is... Uh, Article Life. Some loving heart hath said, Shall we know each other there? And where is that radiant shore? Shall we not seek it and weep no more? Yes, we shall know each other there. We shall love and be loved. We shall never lose our identity, but find it more and more in its order, beauty, and goodness. Men claim to know that pain is a fact. Although it is unseen, they need to know that peace and bliss are greater facts and that this world is the veil of brighter glory that lies beyond it. So flit before memory the different stages and states of existence, the error gradually disappearing and truth coming to be understood. 
Let us rejoice that life, like an opening bud, is unfolding to our consciousness the bliss of being. For thine and all holy things, O life, strong and divinely free, bearing the bereaved the gifts of wisdom and of chastened love, still brooding o'er them like a dove-like wing, immortality endowed for liberty. Patiently wait, all ye who have parted from some earth idol. Remember that naught but broken music flows from joy that is sub sublunary. But hope hath its higher goal. We shall know each other there, a happier oracle, a clearer understanding, an unwavering light will friendship then become. Life's fuller music will give forth rejoicing tones when heart meets heart, where all lovely gifts and pure are laid upon befitting shrines. Joy hath a living fount, a bliss forever. The heart hath vainly sighed, what shall the future be? This is the future. Heaven will be thine, but when its life shall come, no man knoweth. Not the Son, but the Father. Our sins are not forgiven until forsaken. Here or hereafter. For every sin there is a just measure of misery. And death cannot advance our joy, nor make us wiser, better, or more pure. The science of all being must be learned ere this is won. Bliss is not the boon of one brief moment. After the veil has dropped, we have to learn the same as now our way to heaven by slow and solemn footsteps. For no man cometh to the Father but through truth and love. Mary Baker Eddy. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank, Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.